Welcome to Fiscal One-on-One. This Iowa Legislative Services Agency audio program consists of interviews conducted by the Fiscal Services Division staff. Each brief conversational interview features an expert answering questions concerning a fiscal topic of interest within an Iowa State agency. The following interview was conducted on September 25, 2013 by Beth Lenstra, Senior Legislative Analyst for the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency. Beth interviewed Jim Wayne, Director of the 7th Judicial District Department of Correctional Services, also known as Community-Based Corrections, or CBC. They discussed Jim's correctional career, the history of CBC, plus treatment programs and budget issues. So I want to welcome the uh, Director Jim Wayne, Director of the 7th Judicial District, Department of Correctional Services, also known as Community-Based Corrections. And I am Beth Lenstra, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Legislative Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency. Hello, Jim, and thank you for coming in today. Well, thank you for inviting me. When did you start working in corrections? Uh, I first began in corrections in November 1972 as a parole and probation officer with then the Iowa Department of Social Services, now it's Human Services, and social services was responsible for the uh, parole supervision of offenders in Iowa at that time and I was at that point one of approximately 60 parole and probation officers across Iowa. So that was in the division of correctional services within the old social services? There was uh, within DSS a Bureau of Adult Corrections and the chief parole officer officially was part of the Bureau of Adult Corrections and reported to the individual that was in effect responsible for all of the correctional institutions that DSS had at the time. It was Nolan Ellenson at that point and a gentleman by the name of John Walton was the chief parole officer at the time I started and he actually reported to Roger Knuth who was evidently in charge of the in some capacity the community side and some other things with Bureau of Adult Corrections of the Department of Social Services. So you actually started at the bottom and worked your way up to director of the 7th Judicial District. Yes, I did, but I actually did it in one big step. In November of 74, I was picked as the director of the 7th Judicial District Court Services, which is the predecessor to what's now the 7th Judicial District Department of Correctional Services. but. At that time in Iowa, Community Corrections was being formed and there wasn't really a model except to some extent what had gone on in Des Moines earlier, but it was still some shared legal responsibility with the Department of Social Services and some districts were setting up programs that were all state employees and other districts were setting up programs that were all local employees and in the 7th district we really had a locally funded non-state program which was court services and then some other staff from the Department of Social Services. That eventually evolved into that pre and post split 
pre-institutional and post-institutional programming once the structure actually became codified. And that was like around 1978, I think. Uh, I think so. I think that was our first board meeting was uh, in 1978. I think the legislation may have actually passed in 77. You've seen a lot. The split of uh, Department of Social Services into Corrections and Human Services and the creation of community-based corrections. Yeah, the formalization of community-based corrections and the creation of the Department of Corrections and a lot of other changes, not only in titles, but just how we do business and how business occurs, which has changed greatly. Would you care to address that, how things have changed over the years? Well, of course, there's just a simple sense of going from an agency that had no statutory authority to one that does, and from agencies that were still relatively small, and our budgetary process was wouldn't describe it as informal, but the appropriations that were made were made to DSS and were just for community corrections and there was one line, no formality of how much per district or anything like that. So there's been a considerable evolution in the budgetary process, but community corrections has grown from a relatively small operation to a very significant operation. So with that has come a lot of formalities of compliance and when you spend lots more money people pay a lot more attention to you. So it has changed greatly. I can still recall meeting in Ankeny one time in the first few years where we had to figure out how to spend the appropriation that the legislature had approved. And we worked hard for several hours, and then finally, George said, well, we've only got a couple hundred thousand dollars left. Somebody's got to take it. And everybody's, oh, yeah, I don't know. What would I do with it? Obviously, it's a much different time today where resources aren't anywhere near what we would like. How many offenders does the 7th District serve daily? 7th District currently has approximately 1,700 offenders on some sort of field supervision, and that might be parole and probation, or it could be pretrial, although our pretrial supervision is a very low number anymore. We also have about 140 offenders in residential and approximately 150 that are participating in batter's education program at any given time. In addition to that, probably our other significant roles besides supervising offenders is doing investigations for the court in both pretrial and pre-sentence investigations and those services really go hand in hand with the supervision of offenders. In your opinion, what programs have the best success rate and which ones should be expanded or reinstated and why? What we do, I think, in community corrections in Iowa is provide a supervision structure that deals with adult criminal offenders at various stages of their career. And our services and programming is coordinated and to some extent with the institutions, 
and prisons, if no other thing than we utilize the prisons as a sanction for misconduct on programs we offer, prison system uses it as an opportunity to release people and test them in the community. I really think the issue of success is sometimes overplayed. The issue isn't just success, it's success with what offenders. I can guarantee you I can always design a successful program if you let me control who I let in that <laughs> program. Because that's our challenge is how to continue to take a higher risk, higher need offender and be more successful with that. Now in general, what we do with offenders are provide some supervision and structure and still rely upon community resources to address many of their concerns. So I think we can be reasonably successful with the programs we have. We often just need resources to ensure we can do that work well within the volume we have. And there's such a difference across Iowa in terms of who gets placed on probation and what workloads are. And I don't know when we're going to resolve that, but that's part of the issue we're going to eventually going to have to figure out because I don't think there's enough money to do everything we're being asked to do. What programs have been eliminated in previous years due to budget cuts or space issues or poor success rates? Over time, I think some things just get eliminated. Sometimes it's a result of budget cuts, or budget cuts really become the rationale behind it, but there was other reasons. And sometimes there's just changes. I think an example being the, the violator program, which I think had a very good history of what it was trying to do. I'm not sure as the program got developed, it was necessarily implemented with what the legislators had in mind when it was passed, because I know the guy who was legislator at that time, and no, I don't think it was what he wanted, but it did work very well, served a very good purpose, and then over time it evolved and sentencing laws changed slightly, programming changed slightly, and the violator program, although good, became somewhat difficult to operate well. So as budget cuts came along, that became a target to just reduce and cut because it was something that could be done. Lots of times the cuts you can make as an administrator limit your decision-making greatly because you still have to fulfill all those statutory responsibilities. During your career, what was your toughest job you've ever held in community-based corrections? Well, since I've really only had two jobs in my professional career, I don't know, I think there's a part of each of them that are worth noting as challenging and difficult. One, as the district director, I ended up being the individual that uh, terminated or fired people. And that's never been a pleasant experience. There's been a few occasions, very few, where I haven't had to fire a lot of people, but a couple, 
I guess I felt pretty good about doing it because what the person did was so egregious. It felt good to actually discipline him. But in general, terminations were often uh, very difficult experiences for both the person doing the firing and also the person got fired. I think that most challenging as a district director, as a parole and probation officer, which was only for two years, it is though very challenging as I think back about it that I started with very little structure as to what I was supposed to do. Got put in an office with some people that were supposed to help and guide me, and I think they did, but starting out, it was just a very uh, strange feeling. There weren't a lot of resources to use at that time necessarily, and I wasn't exactly sure what I should be doing. It was maybe good fortune that I got promoted so I didn't have to continue, <laughs> but it was just very frustrating to see things and not be able to do things. I think now we have better understanding and programming of things we need to change, where there it was just tell them what the rules are, talk to them a little, but there wasn't a clear cut, okay, this is what we need to look at, this is your history, these are the things that have put you in prison before. I think our services are a lot more sophisticated and focused as they would be. To just back up a minute to a program that would be worth it, and, and it's one that hasn't been eliminated because of budget cuts, but has been very much de-emphasized, and that's pretrial release. And it's really nobody's favorite program, and it's certainly not my favorite program either. But I also think we've lost an opportunity by downgrading it. The person getting arrested is such a momentous occasion for that person that I think we're losing an opportunity to seek changes. But it's a difficult job because you're supervising people that officially haven't been convicted and some of them you can't do anything, you can't really revoke their probation because they haven't even been convicted yet. You can't tell them something's going to happen and most likely a judge is never going to put them back in jail for anything except major violations and further criminal activity. But it's still an opportunity to really start to impact behavior and uh, get behavioral change, but unfortunately budget reductions have prevented us from really keeping that program at the level it was uh, for years when we had resources. And actually, that's one of the start of community-based corrections was pre-trial release. Yes, I think that was one of the beginning programs that was a spin-off of the Vera Manhattan study and project out of Des Moines and then developing that in, in Polk County as a way to address jail overcrowding and have impact and then it just naturally leads into, well, we had them on pretrial, we'll put them on probation, et cetera. Keeps them so, out of the, the incarceration cycle. cycle. Yeah. What do you think your greatest accomplishment has been? Uh, there's probably two things that come to mind, one relatively specific that I convinced George Kaiser, the then Deputy Director for what I guess it would have been Department of Social Services then, 
for adult community corrections that we should make use of computers. And so uh, he agreed that the 7th District could be a pilot project for a vendor database. So I went out to Washington, D.C. to learn about some software that had been funded uh, by LEAA, used as prosecutor management information system, or PROMISE, but felt like it could be tailored to community corrections and purchased it, licensed it, I guess, at that point in time, and we implemented it on the NA Scott County data processing system, mainframe computer, called it SIMS for Corrections Information Management System. That's the system that really then went on to be used statewide for a short period of time, followed by ICBIC and now by ICON. And we handle a tremendous amount of paperwork and process efficiently with ICON. It's just really amazing how much that's used, uh, but I think it also creates a really tremendous database for information sharing and eventually uh, significant research. So, yeah. And what do you think your legacy will be? I didn't conclude with the second thing, was I think just the whole experience. It's been totally unique. Nobody else will ever get to do it again. I don't even know that I could get my job if I had to apply for it <laughs> 10 years ago. But I came in at the right time, the right place, and it's just been amazing to see everything that's happened in the course of time. So that legacy thing is, I hope we've created a quality operation in community corrections and tried to do all the right things. I guess the thing I'm most proud about is it's kind of an interesting combination of state versus local and cooperation and coordination with the state. And as you know, working in state government, you see plenty of problems that exist between the various levels of government and how they fight with each other. And that's not to say community corrections doesn't have disputes with the Department of Corrections, but in general, we work very cooperatively together. Now, I can't claim that as my legacy, but I guess I can claim that I was part of that, which is a very good feeling. All in all, I guess on a personal note, I would just hope people would say he worked real hard and he was fair. Thank you very much for coming in today, and thank you for your years of public service. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.